Welcome to this series of Dundeal podcasts. In this collection of five episodes, um, I talk about my career in sport and offer some guidance, some tips, some networking possibilities, and some general ideas about how to build a career in sport. That starts with building relationships, visualizing your network and developing relationships, supercharging your knowledge base, getting into the process and protecting the process that you start, and then trying to see potential opportunities after doing all of those things, day after day, week after week, year after year. I hope you enjoy this series of five talks. Let me know any feedback, enjoy them. There's a question and answer session as well for you to listen to from when I did this as an original YouTube series. And uh, let me know your thoughts. Good evening, everybody. Uh, well, at least good evening in the UK. Always seem to appreciate everybody taking the time out for from their day generally. The idea behind the course is basically to try and give everyone a bit of a insight as to particular um, aspects of how to try to get into any industry, uh, but especially how to make a career um, in sport. And again, that can be right across the um, the, the industry spectrum from media, marketing. Uh, law, accountancy, broadcasting, social media, comms, PR, whatever else it might be. And um, my my thought about um, setting the, the course up for the week was to try and talk about a few different areas of the industry. So day one, uh, we were talking about building relationships. So that's available on, on my channel. Um, specifically, we were talking there um, about trying to make those initial connections and a couple of practical examples for making connections. So, for example, we said um, reading an article, getting in touch with the, the author of that piece or reading a journal article or reading a marketing magazine, getting in touch, finding those particular connections and then building and maintaining those relationships. And then if you remember on Tuesday or yesterday, what we then started discussing, if I remember correctly, was we started talking then about um, two particular things. One was um, effectively mapping out your ecosystem. So that was once you started developing um, a network um, and you're starting to track those relationships to actually visualize it. And uh, in my experience, that's been very useful. So on one side, visualizing, tracking, updating to try and actually see your network. Um, and then after that, or as part of it, is actually then how do you develop relationships with people? Um, you, you build relationships with people, not just through short-term thinking, but actually through long-term relationship building. And the more effort and impetus and um, enjoyable um, conversations you have with people, um, it might be purely business, it might be purely professional, it's probably likely to be somewhere in between you then start understanding more about the person, what the other person needs, what the person um, requires out of the relationship or that sort of reciprocal um, relationship that they can develop. And hopefully some of the things that you're taking away from yesterday was you've got to consistently and continually invest in that relationship. Don't worry about being in too much of a hurry because you've got to think long-term. And then we're talking about some of the things you can do in order to build particular relationships at certain times. If you want to have a look at that one, that is day two. Um, so day three, um, we're going to actually talk about building your knowledge base to a degree. Now, if you remember, and the one thing I'm going to try and drum into everybody as much as possible, because I've done it on day one um, and day two to an extent, is just if you remember and recollect, the, the main purpose of all of this is to build your knowledge and your network 
in the sports industry or in any particular industry in the long term. And again, I mention it every time, I'm going to mention it every day of the week, is the biggest counterintuitive takeaway is as follows. If you want to get into sport in the long term, don't worry about getting job in sport in the short term. Because if you really, truly want to invest in yourself and want to invest in the process, it's not a short-term goal getting into the sports industry. It's a long-term ambition and you've got to enjoy the process and the opportunities will arise, usually if you can do a number of things. And I've sort of tried to break it down along with this course into two particular aspects. You do it by building relationships. We've talked a bit about that in day one and day two. We'll talk about it again tomorrow and Friday. The second element, we've talked about it again a bit here, is supercharging your knowledge base. And if you can do that over a consistent period of time, hopefully you guys have already started it to an extent, and I'll give you some more practical examples today, then that's a fantastic start. So let me, let me talk about some of the practical tips that I was thinking about for, for day three. So I, I mentioned it actually in day one um, when we were talking about how to put in place little processes. And for what it's worth and what I did and what I continually to continue to do, and I would ask you guys, everybody, to be able to start doing it, and maybe you do it already. Great if you do. Start reading five pieces of content, or rather consuming five pieces of content. It might be audio, it might be visual, it might be print, it might be digital. Start consuming five pieces of content a day in the area of sport in the sector, in a particular sport, in a particular discipline that actually interests you. Now, what a lot of people have actually said to me um, over the first few days is, oh, where can you find all of these pieces? Where can you start consuming content? And <laughs> the simple answer that I can give is that's what Google is there to be able to provide. If you want to understand sports marketing, Google sports marketing articles. If you want to understand social media and sport, you do the same. You start asking people questions about it. You start delving into particular journals. You follow people on journalists that maybe to tweet about it, um, that are posting about it on Instagram, that are um, putting podcasts out there. There is an unbelievable amount of content right now, infinite to a degree, not obviously quite infinite, but really infinite. You're never going to be able to consume everything that is available in your even in your topic area, even in the area that you really want to be able to understand in more detail. But the way that you do it is by starting um, somewhere. So my view for what it's worth is you start with five pieces of content a day. And it's very difficult at the same time to be able to, um, to, be able to actually recollect and remind yourself of everything that you've read. And so what I did early on, I literally had a knowledge journal. I just had a book that I started on a daily basis for the pieces that I read that I would actually just say, um, I read this article on this football topic. These were the three takeaways. This is who it was written by. This is when I read it. And then move on. And effectively then what you're doing is you're keeping a knowledge journal. You're investing in yourself. If you need to set reminders about a particular time of day, if you need to do it, it's basically, I mentioned in one of my blogs, it's, it's ultimately to do with these invisible habits that no one else sees that pays off, not in a week, not in a year, maybe it's three years, maybe it's five years, but it's not now and it's not in one week and it's not in two weeks. That's ultimately what investment is. And what happens if you build these little marginal changes, these marginal gains, these little increments, by two or three years' time, and I know it feels like a long time away, 
but we've all got access to the internet and therefore that shouldn't usually be a problem. You'll have probably invested thousands of hours in your particular topic area that you enjoy building and developing your knowledge of particular skill sets and industry specific knowledge. What that means is that you get into habits, habits become routines, routines become processes, and then you just repeat. And I know it's a, um, a, an easy thing to say. It's very, very easy to say. It's incredibly difficult to do because it requires immense discipline. And usually human nature is, you know, you take usually the gym effect. January comes along, everyone's in the gym for a month or so and have bought yearly subscriptions. And then by February or March, the gym's half empty again. And ultimately, that is what I would just, if there's one takeaway, it's a process-driven, routine basis, keeping on grinding day after day, week after week. Because what happens is you make it a weekly habit, then it becomes a monthly habit, then it becomes um, uh, you know, a yearly thing, then it becomes a matter of fact that this is what you do on a daily basis. Those little, little incremental changes. And it might just be 30 minutes. If you're on, I do it, for example, on my Twitter feed, I'm on the tube, I'm, before I get on the tube, I will look at the five or six pieces that I want to read on the tube, for example, and I'll save them to my phone and then I'll read them for my 25-minute journey into, into work in the first place. It might be during a walk you want to listen to a podcast or watch a YouTube clip or a TED talk. It might be in the gym, it might be in the car. What I mean is it sometimes just takes a bit of planning and prioritizing in order to be efficient with your time. Again, podcast, journal, article, blog, newspaper piece. We've all got on information overload is the truth, but actually you've just got to put in place those little processes to, to do. So that's why I would at least say there. Um, I think then just in terms of some of my experiences and just talking through those a little bit in some detail is, you know, I, the truth is, is that I get excited about reading in depth and updated content on a ton of different things. So give you my example. The, 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 one of the, the best pieces of content that I read on an annual basis is the UEFA benchmarking report, for example. Um, and that's like a treasure trove of like football finance information. And it's the same with the FIFA TMS reports. It gives amazing information and detail on um, transfers, on particular um, insights, um, certain data points. Um, and even things like there's a, there's a brilliant um, football law textbook called Football and the Law. And it was written, I wrote a, a chapter in it. Um, but there's like 35 chapters talking about every single area of football law. Um, I wish I'd have had that 20 years ago to be able to um, start my career on. So, yeah, the, the bit I would say is, and I've mentioned it again before last time, is just put in place that regimented process. I, for example, when I was working, even when I was working, what I tried to do was just do read two articles a week from law and sport. Uh, com, and that was two footballer articles to be able to, to do. And, and, you know, sometimes, um, you know, I didn't quite manage it. I didn't beat myself up. But what I found was when I kept on doing it, when I kept on going through that process, when I knew that, for example, Tuesdays and Wednesdays was my night to um, make sure I read those articles and take some notes on that topic, it was basically I realized that quite quickly my knowledge on a range of topics grew exponentially really grew exponentially. And this was planned, purposeful, regimented, routine process. And the great thing that then happened as a result of that, of that investment over a long period of time, was that I could actually offer opinions not based on a superficial understanding of complex topics or my passion for sport or football, 
Um, but actually, because I'd done the hard yards in reading those cases, I'd read the regulations, I'd understand the laws and how they applied, I'd read articles and comment pieces and journal articles and whatever else it might have been. And, and the great thing that then happened, which hopefully then will start happening and may happen already in loads of different ways, is that it leads to really interesting conversations with people at the heart of particular matters. It might be their journalists, it might be their lawyers, it might be agents, it might be players, it might be you know tons of people generally that are in the sports space because once you start knowing what you're talking about, you can offer value in what you're saying to other people and that becomes very important. And for me, for example, what actually happened then is that it gave me some go-to topics that I felt that I could have conversations with confidently. I could then maybe put blogs out there on social media. It meant that I could talk on TV or radio. And, and the areas that I actually started trying to upskill as quickly as I can and understand as much of the legal environment as I could were financial fair play rules, third-party ownership matters, Tevez and Mastrano matters, Premier League broadcasting rights. And, and then I went into the agents regulations, the football disciplinary process, and they were the cases like Terry and Suarez and Evra um, uh, and Ferdinand. And all of those type of things all were va freely available for me to be able to read. It just gave me a much greater sense of the complexities of things. And then what happens is, as a result of going from a basic knowledge to a more nuanced perspective, things start interlinking and connecting. One topic links into this, something that you read on this particular area fits into this. And then you start developing almost like knowledge webs in your head about interconnected points, which I think become, yeah, really important and really, really vital. And, and the other thing that's also really important is um, what I found was when I started reading through stuff as particular written content, I realized actually it was pretty important to concentrate on how the issues were actually described as well as what they were actually saying. Because if I give you an example, I'll talk about it in a bit of detail. The Economist, so there's a magazine, a weekly newspaper magazine called The Economist. And um, I, I try and read it religiously, but it, it's a pretty dense and daunting um, uh, newspaper is the truth magazine. Um, but the quality of the writing is incredible on the whole. It's absolutely brilliant and it covers so many areas. And sometimes I will just reread particular paragraphs because they're actually really interesting fascinating to actually understand how things have been messaged how points of view have been put across and you learn things from them so i it's as much sometimes how people say things and write things as much as what the content is that become, become quite important and that becomes a really interesting um skill set as well in my mind and i think then just the other bit that to stress because i know we're sort of getting towards the <laughs> 15 minute point already is the other bit as well as being in you know, your zone of um, expertise or trying to grow your zone of expertise by reading particular things is vital. But the other thing that's vital is just keeping up to date with current affairs. So if I give you an example, when I was back in university um, and interviewing for law jobs, I actually subscribed to The Economist. It was pretty cheap as a student um, because I needed, when I was doing interview processes and other things, um, I just wanted to keep up to date with things. And what I realized actually was that and the trick wasn't to read every article, but read particular articles that resonated, that you enjoyed, if it was politics, if it was economics, if it was the arts, if it was technology, if it was science, if it was book reviews, if it was US politics, you know, whatever else it might be, Middle Eastern affairs. 
Um, and, and you develop particular areas of knowledge that you enjoy reading, that you can start with uh, Dr. Urquhart that, that's here. So yeah, thanks, Urquhart, for joining. Um, we give loads of talks around the world. I'm privileged to be around, go around the world and sort of speak with Urquhart about lots of different football um, industry and sports industry bits. And I'm absolutely fascinated by how people convey messages, themes, present, and, and I try my best to incorporate um, particular techniques into my own talks. I, I'd highly recommend um, TED Talks. They're absolutely fantastic. And there's loads of loads of fascinating ones. Um, Carol Dweck talk, I would just recommend Carol Dweck on TED Talk is brilliant. She talks about growth mindsets. And we're going to talk a bit about that tomorrow. Um, but what I want to sort of say is, is that what you effectively need to be doing is well, what I would encourage everyone to do with their time is to invest in their time and make Make a routine out of finding enjoyable ways to develop your personal skill set. So podcasts are my thing right now. And there's a brilliant set of podcasts that I'm listening to. One by Seth Godin, another one by Gary Vaynerchuk that you guys might know. James O'Brien, who's on LBC Radio that I love. And the idea, all I would say, and hopefully it's quite a liberating idea, is if you invest in yourself, find that content that you enjoy, Upskill, find areas you're motivated to develop and enjoy the consumption and consumption process. And what I realized is, and it's something that I put in my book to an extent, uh, not in my book, but in my blog, which is there's no magic wand. It's just a desire to keep going, literally just to keep grafting day in, day out. And that was my basic premise was just to keep effectively going. Um, and, and just to end on, on one particular point as well, which is important. And we meant, I've mentioned it already this week is a lot of people see, or what a lot of people see is the outcome of everything, the outcomes of glamour, the outcomes of celebrity, the outcomes of successful people. And the most successful people bring, bring it back to its core, which is what people don't see. Again, it's the iceberg effect is the process and are seduced by the outcome rather than enjoying the process and the journey. And if that's my one piece of advice, it's don't be seduced by the outcome, but you've got to enjoy the process and the journey. Because if you don't do that, you'll never be invested enough in the outcome. Because I ultimately enjoyed reading the cases. I ultimately enjoyed reading all the content, watching things on TV, watching TED Talks, doing that type of stuff to develop myself. If you can't enjoy the process, you're probably not doing the right thing in investing in those particular um, areas. So on that note, we are um, a little bit over. Apologies, we're at 18 minutes. Um, but let's just go through um, a few questions and see if anybody has particular things they'd like to chat about. Um, Sergio, um, I'm doing that with the books that I like the most. Awesome advice and a great way to retain knowledge also. Yeah, so sometimes you just got to note down those particular points. Um, and I do that a lot. I underline bits. I come back to particular books. Yeah, it's really important. Um, Mark's asked a really good question. What do you believe has been the most influential book that you have read? There are tons. I mean, the truth is, is that what some of my favorite books are fiction books. So I love sci-fi. And one of the books that one of the authors that's my ultimate favorite is a, an author called John Wyndham. And he wrote some amazing books, including Day of the Triffids and Craig and the Wakes and um, uh, a few others that I can't remember of her now. 
So, but and, and fiction is absolutely vital for me as well to be able to to read. But I, I would say, in terms of personal development, one of the books that I've enjoyed the most is to how how to win friends and influence people. And also, there's a brilliant book by an advertising guy that I mentioned yesterday called Dave Trot. He wrote a book called One Plus One Equals Three, uh, which just blew my mind. It was it was fantastic. Just lots of short stories with great great insights. So I'd really recommend um, really recommend that. Um, NH, uh, I want to start a blog based on the information that I consume. What advice would you give in relation to writing style? Also, if you have any information from another source, reworded it, would uh, we uh, reference? Um, it's a great one, actually. Um, I would, I, I love that. Um, I wouldn't worry too much about writing style. You will, you will find your voice. You can look across lots and lots and lots of different channels, lots of blogs, lots of ways that people try and put their content out there. But I think that's a great idea um, because what you're doing originally, initially, is you're not saying you're an expert at anything. What you're saying is you're really interested in personal development and in these books and why you've enjoyed these particular books or these TED Talks or these YouTube clips or whatever else it might be. So I think it's a great idea. Um, put a blog out there as to what you're reading, how you're reading it, and why you're enjoying it. And you'll reinforce your own knowledge based on writing. So I think that's, yeah, I think that's great. Some people from all over the world. I'm always completely, um, yeah, I'm always completely in awe of just everyone tuning in from everywhere, really. We've got Nigeria, we've got Belgium, we've got Lisbon. Yeah, it's awesome. Um, yeah, fantastic. Um, so, uh, uh, Aria, question. Um, this might be a bit irrelevant, but I once came across an article on LinkedIn once about HS2 rail projects saving Villa from breaching FFP. But we're subscribed to the article. Uh, have you come across this? I haven't, to be fair. Uh, but it sounds like an interesting, <laughs> an interesting idea. Um, not that I'm aware of, anyway. Um, loads of questions coming in now, which is great. Miles, um, Daniel, would you say that football and the law is an important and useful resource, regardless of the jurisdiction one's operating in? It seems so, but would like to confirm. I'm in South Africa. Brilliant that you're tuning in from South Africa. Firstly, thank you. Yeah, it's uh, well. I can use an analogy, and my analogy is that um, whenever I, for example, I'm speaking to US lawyers, I'm fascinated by their rules, regulations, um, frameworks that are in place, because a lot of the time I will learn loads of really interesting things from cases, from how regulations are drafted, um, practice areas that they're doing, particular um, solutions that they found to certain problems. So, yeah, I would, even though even though it might not be directly applicable if it's English and Wales law, there's, there's, and, and there are lots of other jurisdictions that are mentioned in there, from CAS to Swiss law to um, um, yeah, FIFA regulations as well and otherwise. It's a, it's a brilliant book. It's probably one of my favourite books, and I just dip in and out of that at times. So, yeah, I'd, I'd highly recommend that. Um, question from JH27. Uh, Dan, would you recommend any agencies for sports management internship? Also, do you know Catherine Elliott from Manchester Met? saw you were mentioned um well I, I think on the first point would you recommend any agencies for an internship again hopefully if you if you were um watching the course yesterday you'd have seen that what what you've got to try and do and urquhart dr urquhart's brilliant at this as well in explaining is i wouldn't recommend anyone is the truth um, because i'd recommend everybody because everybody is the opportunity but what you've got to do is think very long and hard yourself about 
what is it about a particular agency or someone that you've spoken to or something that you've seen or something that you've read or a deal that they've done which sets them apart and then when it sets them apart how do you effectively pivot the conversation and reverse it so that you are being able to offer something interesting to them because as soon as you just send a generic email to 25 agencies in the UK asking for internships I probably know what the answer will be to all 25 is the truth because they will get 150 of them probably on a monthly basis so what you need to try and do as I mentioned is flip the conversation work out what their particular needs are what they might find useful in loads of different particular ways if it's for example um, needing uh, to be able to get every piece of content about a particular player on a weekly basis so the agent can see what's going on you've just got to be able to work out all of those particular blind spots and then make that offer and make it as attractive uh, as possible. Uh, Elliot, um, when seeking knowledge advice from experienced and industry professionals unsolicited by email um, SM, is there anything you'd like to see in an email to encourage your reply? Yes. So, Elliot, what I would what I would really importantly say is have a look at day one and day two of here, where we specifically talked about that exact point. You've got to be creative. You've got to be thoughtful. You've got to make it personalized. You've got to make it specific. You've got to make it short and sharp. And you've got to reverse the narrative. It's not, please, can I have some advice on my career? It's, how can I add something to you in order to incentivize you to reply to me? And too many people do the former rather than the latter. And it's vital that more people, if there's one thing from hopefully having these conversations, you've got to spend serious time thinking about what is the incentive, apart from the goodwill and nice people trying to do it, what's the incentive for people to get in touch with you after you've, re after you've replied or rather spoken to them? The more effort and individual, practical, personable nature that you can uh, put forward to them, the more likely they are to respond because they will see that you've taken the time, you've thought about why they specifically are the right people to contact, and then you've got to be able to sell it. Um, question from um, Paniotis. Daniel, hi. Do you know if the cases from CAS are published? Um, and if yes, where? Yes, so they're published on the CAS website. Um, so, yeah, if you go to CAS, the Court of Arbitration for Sport, there's lots and lots of cases published there. I'd also recommend there's a new FIFA uh, legal portal which um, has lots of really fascinating cases and lots of regulations and detail there that I would really, really recommend. Um, Brandon? Um, I struggle to concentrate when reading. Would you recommend listening to podcasts instead or just keep at it and continue attempting to read? Thanks for the videos, by the way. They're great. Um, I am a big fan of playing to your strengths. So if reading isn't your thing, there are tons of other things to be able to, to do. If it's podcasts or watching videos or audiobooks and audible, et cetera. So, no, I would, uh, it's completely up to you is the answer. Maybe you just combine, you don't switch from one thing to another. I found that there were particular things that I was better at reading rather than listening and very much the vice versa. There are some things like my book, for example, um, wasn't necessarily made for Audible because there are quite a lot of figures and statistics sometimes. But I know a lot of people still prefer listening to it than reading it. So I would absolutely juggle with lots of different content mediums to see what works for you. Don't push it. Make sure that you get the most out of your time, I think, ultimately. Um, Alandi, what's the biggest uh, challenge you're, in your career so, thus far? 
<laughs> where to start. Um, it's like anything, like we're all humans. Um, we all have challenges. There's always times where um, you think you can do better. There's always times you don't think you're good enough. There's always times that you're thinking, where's my next piece of work going to come from? There's always times that um, you're thinking there isn't enough time in the day to be able to do everything. So it's, it's, there, it's, it's too easy and too difficult at the same time to say what's the biggest challenge. The biggest challenge is for me now maintaining um, a lot of my relationships, doing work, making sure that I, I like doing the things I'm doing like this. Um, and fitting everything in is the truth. So when I'm sometimes a little bit time poor and obviously having um, a family life as well and seeing as enough as my wife and my kids as I can as well. So, um, yeah, I'd probably say there are some of the challenges right now. Mazar, if you could elaborate on keep going persistence, could you discuss a personal example, discuss the journey a bit? Dr. Erka has um, a very uh, inspirational one. Um, yes. Um, let me give that a bit of thought. I mean, oh, um, yeah, th there are lots of times. All I would say is there's lots of times that you learn from the things that you do. So it's me sending loads of emails out to people. I've had loads of rejections, loads of failures, loads of things that haven't gone right. Um, but, but resilience is the key um, because you've got to keep those processes in place. And when you keep those processes going, um, uh, you're more likely to succeed. You can only control what you can control for the time being. And, and what happens when you, you feel liberated when, in a way, you're not in anybody else's um, control. You're only doing what you can do yourself in order to maximize what you can do yourself. So control what you can control, network where you can, find opportunities where you can, resource up where you can, build knowledge and understanding where you can. And that gave me that hope that I could just keep going regardless of when I was revising and didn't get a good exam result, when I couldn't get a job at a particular place, when I didn't get a client because they chose another law firm instead of me, you know, tons of different things, but you iterate, you improve, you develop, you change, you know, you amplify, you emphasize particular things. Uh, yeah. So yeah, Dr. Erk, um, Dan, you mentioned one of the most important things in achieving success process. I remind myself every day, protect the process i love that protect the process i'm going to use that sorry okay that's brilliant protect the process is absolutely spot on it's to continue to do what you are doing continue those good habits and remember that those good habits have been very very useful for you so that's brilliant really like that um diego um do you recommend any content on the transfer market and also more specifically on sporting directors um, transfer market, again, I would say FIFA TMS reports, and I would say the UEFA benchmarking reports. There's huge amount of content there as well, just as two first um, steps. Um, let's keep going a little bit more while we've got a few more questions going. Um, sorry, could I restate, so as um, Abadola, um, just restate the, the, the report. So one is the UEFA benchmarking report, and the other is the FIFA TMS report. TMS is the transfer matching system. Miles, um, uh, yep, so that's good. Thank you. Uh, right to win sports. So uh, we don't uh, have anywhere to get your books here in Nigeria. Any chance I could try and get the audio version? Yes, yeah, so the audio version is available to download on uh, Amazon. Um, so yeah, you can buy it direct to Amazon. I think you can have a 30 day 
or free audible subscription as well if you put your details in so yeah that's maybe something um, i'd recommend as well uh brandon would you say it's more important to network or expand your knowledge which one should be prioritized the answer is you should try and do both at the same time nothing needs to be one ahead of the other or prioritized against the other you should be able to do both things in parallel it shouldn't mean that you stop making connections because you need to understand the industry more. It shouldn't be that you need to understand the industry more so you stop making connections. And sometimes they can run together. If you read an article that you really like, email the person, find out more about what they're doing, ask some questions, find ways to be able to do both things together, perhaps. Um, okay, uh, and then we're almost there. So Peter's asked a question. When applying for training contracts, did you aim to try and find a sports-focused firm or was sports law more of a hobby back then as you were focused on a general practice? Thanks. Um, yeah, the, 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 again, the short answer is, and I mentioned it the other day, is um, I originally, yes, I did try and only apply for training contracts uh, with a sports-focused firm. Um, and actually, I only did a few applications didn't get a job, only got a few interviews, and they chose other people ahead of me, and that's obviously their <laughs> prerogative. Um, I realized actually that what I needed to do, and I only realized that in hindsight, was I needed to become the best lawyer first, never mind sports lawyer. And the way that I became the best lawyer first was actually applying to the companies, law firms that could offer the best training. So that's actually what I changed in my approach. I actually researched the law firms in the country that I thought would offer me the best training for a couple of years. And then I could develop in time my legal skills over a longer period of time. I obviously still wanted to go into the sports and football industry, but my priority, and again, you can do this in, prior, in parallel, my priority was first to develop my legal skills and second to get a sector focus and, and sports and football obviously being that to a degree. Um, Mazen, do you work with any sports tech startups? I've noticed a significant increase in those across EU and the US and even in the Middle East. Is there anyone you're keeping your eye on in their growth? There's, there's, there's loads of companies, there's loads of great sports um, tech startups. I mean, the, the, there's, there's tons of great ideas that come um, around all the time. There's, it, they're, not, they're not necessarily new, but we did a lot of, we, we, work quite closely with um, a couple of guys at a great company called Catapult um, and Catapult are the, the sports tech GPS um, vest bra wearing company um, who have done unbelievable stuff throughout um, the sports industry but there's loads and loads of tech companies if it's on mobile um, if there's particular social media elements to it if it's invest pl investing platforms there's tons of things that are um, um, and companies that are doing great stuff the ultimate question now is in this climate whether there's that still appetite for investors to be able to put money in um, uh, when maybe belts are being tightened to a degree. But on that note, um, oh yeah, I'm going to give my recommendation for the day just very briefly. Um, it's a book that I love um, and it's made into a film even though I don't think the film was quite as good as the book because the writer is absolutely exceptional. Um, it's um, Moneyball. I'm sure most of you guys have probably heard of the film. Uh, Brad Pitt starred in it, but Michael Lewis, who wrote the original Moneyball book, uh, was obviously a journey um, um, to do with the um, Oakland A's uh, managed by Billy Bean and how they outperformed um, relative to their wage bill and their talent pool, uh, how it performed so many of the teams um, in, the in the baseball space. 
So yeah, that's my recommendation. It's a brilliant book. I think I read it twice just because the writing style was fantastic and I read it slowly because it was just such a great read. So my recommendation for the day is Moneyball. And on that note, thanks everyone for joining me. Brilliant to um, have you uh, guys with me and hopefully you'll join me tomorrow. Thanks again and have a good evening, everybody. Thanks for listening. You can follow me on Twitter, TikTok and Instagram at Football Law. Read my blogs and listen to my previous podcasts via my website, danielg.com forward slash blogs. Please do subscribe to the Dundee Football Podcast, like, share and tag me. If you like the content, if not my voice, you'll probably also like my book, Dundee, an insider's guide to football contracts, multi-million pound transfers and Premier League big business. A bit of a mouthful. It's available to buy in hard copy, digitally and via Audible. All links are in the podcast show notes. Lastly, the podcast is powered by 13, which is a fashion brand I've started. All proceeds go towards cancer charity research and particularly the stellar work done by John Krell, who has helped my mum through some difficult times over the last few years. You can take a look at the merch and hopefully buy a t-shirt, hoodie, cap, or all three. Please do spread the word and go to 13shop.co.uk. That's 13shop.co.uk. Thanks for listening.